You're listening to the Purpose Driven Person Podcast. This podcast is made for leaders unwilling to give up their desires to be purpose driven. Guys, I made this show for a compass for you to have more purpose in leadership through four concepts creation, communication, collaboration, and connection in both business and in life. My name is Matthew Leland Cox. I'm the founder of Never Give Up Youth Healing Center, Never Give Up Wellness Center, and Never Give Up Foundation. You can find me at MatthewLelandCox.com. Are you ready? Well, let's do this. All right, welcome to the show. This is Matthew Cox with uh, Purpose Driven Person Podcast, and I'm excited to have Tamia Dow on the show today. And we're going to get busy, and we're going to be talking about some awesome topics, but also some tough, tough conversations. And as we get going, uh, Tamia, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you. Thank you for having me on the show, Matthew. I'm excited to be here. Well, you know, you're you're a native to, are, well, are you native to Las Vegas or where, where did you, uh, everybody always asks that. Vegas is so, uh, everybody's in and out. Did you grow up there or where, where's Well, your... I pretty much grew up here because I have been here since 1980. So <laughs> I consider Vegas my home. Uh, you know, I went to college here. I mean, I went to high oh, school wow. here, went to college here. I worked on the police department here, you know, so I pretty much know the ins and outs of Vegas. I've watched it grow from 1980 to 2020. Wow. Um, I, I am actually a corporate brat, though. So before we came to Vegas, my family and I lived uh, all over kind of the Midwest uh, East Coast area. We were born in Buffalo, so all my siblings and I and my parents, so my extended family is from Buffalo, New York. And as a children, we left Buffalo. We went to Wilmington, North Carolina. We went to Parkersburg, West Virginia. We went to North Canton, Ohio. Uh, we lived in each place anywhere from two to three years, depending, based on my father's promotions, because he was a corporate salesperson and he worked for Borg Warner and GE. Um, so he he was a uh, traveling salesman, for lack of a better word, but. A public speaker most definitely wow okay so all over and then tell tell me a little about your police career that, that's in so you were a police officer in nevada yes las vegas metropolitan police department wow. i was a police officer there became a, a supervisor and a detective by the time i retired from the police department and it's very interesting because as you talk about pur- purpose driven people mm-hmm. From the time I was a young child, I knew, I always knew I wanted to be a detective. And even at nine years old, this is how all my my life story comes together, which is so cool. I was very creative and and my creative realm was writing. I enjoyed to write fictional stories. So I wrote fictional stories about a young detective, a young female detective named Double a Hub. Don't ask me why we named her Double a Hub. That just was the name that uh, my little brother and I came up with, and that was the name for my character. Then we fast forward. uh, Pretty much, I was very blessed that as I mapped out my life as a child and my parents assisted with that, I pretty much was able to walk the path of my dreams, you know? 
so I went to high school, like I mentioned here in Las Vegas, I went to Chaparral High School. I was on student council there. And what I really enjoy about student council and why I mention it is because I learned very young to be the voice for people who don't necessarily speak up for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I call myself the voice for the voiceless. Okay. And, I, and I've continued throughout my career doing that. So, you know, in student council, you know, your position is to basically, you know, be the voice for the students and help the students get what they want and they need. Then I went on from there to go to UNLV and I studied criminal justice at UNLV. Uh, and that's also what I got my degree in. But also while I was at UNLV, I did something very interesting, which when I was in high school, I would have never thought of it because I would always see these ROTC, which is the Reserve Officer Training Corps students walking around. In high school, they're called JROTC, which means junior. And then in college, you're for real deal on your way <laughs> to become an <laughs> officer in the military. So when I signed up at UNLV, I, what excited me and what drew me about it was number one, you know, there's uh, financial supplements to assist you with school. So that was definitely a, a plus. But I also was intrigued about the training I knew that I would receive as a military officer. You know, we went through basic camp, you know, basic training. We went through officer basic training. I mean, we went through a lot of, uh, I would say, activities that really have shaped my life and helped direct my life to to include with my film career and those things that we're going to talk about a little bit later but it put me in focus to realize that once you put your mind to something and determine that you can get it done that you can if you decide to and, and I love that because in anything it's just deciding to push forward you know uh, me growing up with a learning disability I and you know that's what I called it purpose driven because no matter what you face in life you got to keep pushing and if you have a big vision or a, a big picture you got to just keep pushing and get up every day and envision that so it's really important now you going into the the police force and stuff and being a detective now you've been retired how long now you know it's very hard to believe but it's been eight years i oh. i retired february 1st 2012 Wow, so a little while ago. What, what's your thoughts with everything going on out there with the police and you being on there? There's so many good police officers on the force. What's your thoughts with all the stuff going on? And I know quite a few of them still, because I still actually, you know, as an ordained day minister, I work as a chaplain and veterans and police are my focus area, because yeah. of course, that's where I come from. Uh, so I have actually been able to keep my foot in the water with the police department and, and hear the hearts of our police officers. And they are unfortunately discouraged. And it's very hard for me to look at these young men and women, and some of them aren't young. Some of them are my still my peers that are retiring like around now, because this would be 30 years for me. <laughs> oh, <wow. Yeah. laughs> so fast. <laughs> yeah, it does. It goes really fast. Um, but yeah, so 
I my heart breaks for the, mm-hmm. the new line of officers because they definitely need to have some mindset training and some encouragement because I remember the military used to call it intestinal fortitude where you make the decision that you are going to do what you're going to do regardless of what anybody else has to say about it. Mm-hmm. And right now we have our young people, our officers, I'm saying young, but you know, I'm the officers that are out there working the streets mm-hmm. that are receiving negative feedback. Um, you know, there's stuff being thrown at them, their cars and are being destroyed, you know, um, people are when they see them off duty and recognize them just being inappropriate. And it never was like that before. Now, bear in mind, I've, I've been in law enforcement long enough to have seen different times when there was negativity towards cops, you know, Rodney King and and things like that, where um, we as police officers were really scrutinized and, and the public themselves was not showing us any love. And we pushed through it, you know, because yeah. the motivation for most police officers is to serve. Yeah. And um, you'll notice that throughout my career, you know, as, as we talk about my career, I've the the element of service has always been there. You know, from the time that I was in the military to the time that I was in the police department, you know, to right now um, when I'm serving my community and police officers and veterans as a chaplain, it's it's about serving your fellow man. It's about realizing that uh, God put us all here for a purpose. So when I encourage my police officers, I always tell them, I say, you know what? Um, your life was a gift from God Mm -hmm. and what you do with your life is your gift back to him. I love that. And the reason, yeah, the reason I say that is because if, if people put that in their mind and remember that, then they have to realize that they're not here to please other humans. Nope. You know what I'm saying? In the end, regardless of what your belief is, you have to believe that you will answer for your life. You know, you will answer for the choices that you made in your life, whether it was to treat someone poorly, treat someone lesser than you, you know, whether it was to walk by and ignore someone, you know, everyone is a human and everyone deserves love and respect. And this is important. And that includes our police officers, both sides. The police officer unto the citizen and the city citizen and community member unto the police officer. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember growing up as a kid, just wanting to be either a firefighter or a police officer. It was, it was always shown growing up that these are, like you said, places of service, like the military, right? Right. And, and my sons, you know, I have a nine and or a 10 now and then three-year-old they're, they're getting to hear all the, and we try to not let them hear that we don't watch the news. We keep it out of the house because it's just negative. And we don't want them to see, because we do have friends that are cops. We don't want them to have the cop come over and, and the kid says, you know, we, because <clears throat> I think everything starts in the home. You know what I mean? Everything yes. is taught in the home. And if we look at the racism or whatever it is, I teach my sons because they're, they're part uh, Caucasian and Mexican. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, well, one's Mexican, one's uh, Costa Rican because his dad is uh, from Costa Rica. And, and so we're a mixed home. And, mm-hmm. and we, we have his, his friend comes over. She's, she's part black and Mexican. 
and and we we talk about it like we talk about it it's that conversation uh constantly because i loved what you said and and we we have that faith where we come from love conquers everything right love and hate can't be in the same room correct what's your thoughts on that because that I think it's just having the conversation because everybody's scared of having that conversation and, um, and they avoid it. You're right. And I do believe that it all, it does come from home. It really does. Uh, Cause even, even when young people like in college are intergr- interviewed in focus groups about beliefs that they have yeah. and the focus group asks them, well, where did you learn that? Or how do you know that? You know, and they'll say, well, my dad or my grandpa or my mom or my, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And these, we are, it, it was long before this uh, pandemic occurred and everyone was forced to homeschool. Our families have been homeschooling us forever. Yes. We learn from what we see and not what we're told to do. And I say that because you have an example of, let's say you have a child, their parent says to them, well, we should, you know, everybody's the same and we shouldn't treat anybody different and, mm-hmm. and we should be loving and kind. And then they watch their mom or dad get in the car and cuss at somebody <laughs> that crossed in front of them, maybe use a slur, you know, a racial yeah. slur uh, towards that person. And the child's looking and the child's going, but wait a minute. You know, you yeah. told me love everybody. You know. <laughs> yeah, I call that a dentist with wooden teeth. Brush your teeth, and they have wooden teeth. You know, and right because their teeth <laughs> fell out. Yeah. <laughs> do what I say. Don't do what I do. <laughs> exactly. But children learn by watching. Yeah. yeah. They are little mimics, and the thing is that it gets stuck in their psyche and their soul. You know, I, I use an example of, because I know we're, we're kind of talking about humans in mm-hmm. general, yep. um, but you know, my, my expertise, my background is domestic violence. Oh, okay. And when you talk about domestic violence and you have children who will say, male or female children who watch their mom or dad violently abuse their spouse, And the child will say, oh, I never do that. And, you know, mommy was so mean to daddy or, you know, daddy was so mean to, you know, whatever. And then you watch them grow up. And what happens is the child reverts to what they learn. Just like the example of the parent in the car cussing at, you know, somebody who cut them off or whatever, right? Or calling them out of their names in a racial slur. The child remembers what the parent did. Yeah. It, it's right. Amazing. And, you know, I remember growing up, my, my father, uh, he passed away when I was 10. And, but I always remember that guy would do anything for anybody. He'd give his own shirt off his back. He, he didn't care who you were. He was always helping. Uh, and it stuck with me in my mind. And then my, my mom, being a single mom, raising us until later on in our lives, she was just a little sweet lady and she never spoke illy of anybody. And, right. and that's what I think I adopted. So I, I think for me as a youth, I, I just, I look like what you say, everybody's a human being. I don't care if you're, I love you no matter what, if, even if you harm me, I'm still going to say, turn the other cheek and, and, and move on. That's And so I love what you're saying. Cause it is, it starts in the homes. The home is the ultimate school. And that's what I've seen over the years working with so many families in crisis. 
Yes. And I, and I like what you said about, you know, you're going to treat everybody with love because yeah. uh, that's part of inner peace for us all, yeah. you know, in, in order for us to live peaceably amongst men yeah. <laughs> and other humans, we must learn to forgive and move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, let me, let me give you an example. Let's go back to the scenario that I gave you of the parent that ended up cussing somebody out that cussed okay. cut them off. Okay. So you have this parent who just, you know, flared up. And I say this, life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we respond to it. Oh, I love it. So now this parent has just been cut off by a car, okay? And, and you and I both have had this experience, right? Where somebody's cut us off, totally didn't see us, whatever, right? Maybe they even flipped us off, you know? I mean, it's just like, <laughs> you know? And, and we now have to take a second and say, listen, is this going to be worth it? Do I want to run my blood pressure up, chase after this person, you know, put my hand in a fist and shake it at him, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> call him a few names or two, right? And what is accomplished? Nothing, right? <laughs> the high blood pressure, that's it. High blood pressure, <laughs> exactly. What could possibly happen? That person could have a gun, you know, that person could decide to slam on their brakes and now you're in an accident. I mean, anything could happen. Yet, if you pause, take a deep breath and say, you know what? It's not worth it. Mm -mm. And what I usually do, and this is a for real deal for me, little child of God that I am, the chaplain that I am, yeah. I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we didn't get in an accident. Even yeah. though I had to slam on my brakes, even though my heart is pounding out of its chest right now, thank you, Lord, that that car can carry on on its way and I am safe inside my car to carry on about my way too. And, and you know, I love what you say here. When an accident occurs, we were talking about this earlier. Um, we were talking about when 9-11 uh, happened or October 1st. Um, it's interesting as human beings how we all pull together when something like that happens. And, and we have that mindset of love, right? Right. Um, human life. I remember driving the other day and a kid... I don't know what he did. I just pulled up to a four lane stop and he was on the ground and his, he broke his leg. Oh no. And I, I was kind of the second car in the back, but I, I was so busy. I, I had a, a huge important meeting with an architect firm and I, I was like, Oh, I got, I'm late, you know, and I, I could have turned away and just pretended like, Oh, he'll be okay. But Oh, wow. <laughs> I put my, I put my car in park and put my lights on and I went and ran and I, I says, don't stand. Cause he broke it clean in half from his uh, right above his ankle. And he, he, I says, stay still. Cause I don't want you to go into shock. And, and so, you know, and it was interesting because, uh, there was all types of human beings on the scene. Right. All types of different, uh, different ethnic groups, everybody. And it was interesting. Everybody pulled together and helped this little kid. Right. And we didn't, we didn't care. We didn't, we were just like, Hey, you're okay. And um, speak on that. Cause we had a good talk on when these, these accidents or these natural disasters happen or these unfortunate events, we all come together and it's interesting. What, what's your thoughts on that? I, I love that analogy. It makes me reflect back to, um, it was many years ago, it was back mm -hmm. in the nineties and I was driving in my patrol car, black and white vehicle, 
uh, here in Las Vegas, we are single person units. So there's not someone else in the car with you. It's just you by yourself. And I was riding, I was running code three, which is red lights and siren, you know, and we go through and we go to clear an intersection. And I was on my way to back an NHP officer who had called out a officer needs assistant call. And I was pretty close, actually. I was at Desert Inn and Eastern, for those of you that are familiar with Las Vegas, and I needed to get to Boulder Highway. So I was super close to the Boulder Highway at, um, entrance for 95. Yet as I cleared the intersection, there was a person who had their radio up loud. They had the green light. The people who were driving did have the green light. All three lanes had stopped for me. And this person couldn't figure out why everybody was stopped because they could see there was a green light. So they went around everyone and therefore ran into me. Oh. So here I was in the intersection. I was driving a Chevy at the time. <laughs> it was my Chevy yeah. patrol car. And my airbag deployed deployed and smoke filled the car so immediately oh and let me add to it that it was friday at noon okay oh, so yeah. friday at noon busy. desert Inn and exactly desert Inn and eastern it is just busy 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 do you know the entire intersection shut down the people who were first in line in their cars got out of their cars and they all ran to my car and they opened my door and they pulled me out because they thought my car was on fire. Oh, wow. You know, because when the bag deployed, that the airbag has like powder around it. Yep. So that powder went inside the car and all they could think was, oh my goodness, you know, and I don't even know if they knew if I was a female, you know, they didn't know, they just knew a police officer had just gotten hit, you know, in the intersection, you know. So yeah, they all came to my to my to my rescue. And when you talked about that young young man, that brought it back to me. I, I'm actually getting a little choked up here, um, you know. But it 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 wasn't about, uh, like I said, it wasn't about it was lunch hour. It wasn't about I'm on my way somewhere. It wasn't about you know because I didn't even hear cars honking. You know what I mean? Like people be like, "Come on, get out of the way," you know this kind of thing. I'm sure they heard the impact. You know, whoever was in line, I'm sure they heard the impact, you know, and of course they helped the, the young lady too that ran into me, you know, but everyone got out of their car when I say everyone, at least the people towards the front of the lines did because they could see what happened and helped us both out of their car, out of our cars. So um, I, I just want to commend the human spirit with that story. You know what I mean? Um, that was a personal experience for me where I saw people of all races and all colors and, you know, in the midst of an extremely busy situation where I'm sure they were all in their way someplace very important. They took their time out to come and see about me and this young lady that were in this accident. And I thank God, of course, we're both okay. You know, I did get transported to the hospital, but um, in the end, I, I was okay. And, and so was she. And she ended up paying for a new uh, car for the police department. <laughs> Poor girl. <laughs> yeah. But um, it brings me, it reminded me of what you said about people pulling together. And, yeah. it, and it also brings me to like where we are right now. So it, we're in the midst of a pandemic. Yep. And when we first got sheltered in place, everybody took some time. They were looking at themselves and, mm -hmm. and, and asking the question, you know, what, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Right. Because so many people ended up getting laid off, remember? Because mm -hmm. some people are back to work, yet there are some people listening to this, uh, to this podcast right now who may still be not working in the job that they were working in on the day the world shut down, right? Mm -hmm. So the day the world shut down and we all pretty much 
what do we call trapped in our houses with our TV sets, you know, what did you decide to do with your life when that happened? I want our podcast listeners to think about that. Yeah. You know, on day two of the shutdown, what did you decide to do? Did you jump on Netflix and start binge watching? Did you, you know, I mean, ser- you, I mean, you yeah. laugh, but you know what I'm saying, man. Oh, yeah. I, it's, it's, like, an easy, it's an easy out, right? Because... It was, yeah, it, it was just, it is just crazy the choices that people have made during, you know, during this pandemic situation, yeah. you know, then there's the leaders amongst us who have figured out, you know, how can I be of service? Mm-hmm. You know, how can I help my fellow man? You know, how can I? The step that we all needed to take, and if you haven't taken it, you still can, okay? Because you're talking to a chaplain here, so. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, I want to go back because as a chaplain, I, I giggle when I say Netflix because I, you know, what it reminds me of, and this speaking to your chaplain side is, is it like, uh, we'll take, uh, we're in Vegas, so we have a lot of uh, famous magicians around, right? Mm-hmm. And the art of uh, magic is delusion or distraction, right? Correct. So yes. they distract you over here and they put you, and I think, if we look at the opposite, good versus evil, I'm going to distract you so you don't you don't remember what you should be focusing on. So, binge watching Netflix. That's when I giggle because that that is what it is. It's a distraction. It's, it, that is so true. Yes. And it doesn't make you focus on the right thing. It just it, it's 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 like anything else that numbs you out for a minute. You you get for a, hours you know, for hours now because <laughs> you remember. I don't know. I'm I'm 42, so you remember back then when our favorite. I I do you remember the A Team? That was one of my favorite shows. Uh, Mr. I, D, yes. All those guys. We had to wait for the next episode. You, you, yes. You can binge watch now. It's the unfortunate. Now we we don't we are uh, delayed gratification is not even in existence anymore. It's we we get it. We want it now. We want it now and. Yeah, everything on demand. Yes. Yeah. So, anyways, I wanted to go back because, as a chaplain, that that scenario with delusion or with distraction is is the other side of things. That 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 evil side will will say, "Hey, let's keep you busy. Let's keep you, let's keep you content for a minute, so you don't go do what you need to do." Yes. And so that's why I wanted to bring your listeners back to asking themselves, you know, what is the distraction that you chose? And are you still distracted by it? Because we are in a season right now where it's almost looking like we may be going back into lockdown, even though people keep saying they don't think it's going to happen. Yet, we are hearing that all of the subsidies that were provided during during the um, shutdown are going to end on September 1st. Some people are going to lose their homes, the places that they're staying in. They're going to be put out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to I want to talk about that distraction because one of my uh, key scriptures that I use in my life is John 10:10. Are you familiar with John 10:10? I love it. Yeah, sure. Okay, so John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. 
So my question to the podcast listeners is, are you living your abundant life right now? Are you living the life that God has planned for you? Are you choosing to do what you need to do to give that gift of what you do in this world back to God? That's beautiful because that's, those are deep because at the end of the day, what are we doing? Everybody's busy mm-hmm. being busy. Yet what is your purpose? <laughs> yeah. And you know, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you're a C.S. Lewis fan. Um, he always talks about the one that created uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Right. He says, you know, instead of being human doings, be human beings. Yes. And I love it because he was, he was a very big Christian man. And even the Chronicles of Narnia is all based around that. The lion is, this is Christ. If you, if you watch that whole thing. Right. Yes, I do remember. Mm -hmm. And he, he just thinks, and it goes along with what you're saying is we become human doings and we forget to be kind to everybody because we're so busy in survival. And, and I always ask this to everybody, if, if, every, if tomorrow all, all of us, if all stuff was stripped and we lost everything, what would we all do as a, as a human being race? Would we, would we rebuild? Would we start over? How would we act? Because if we took all these things away, all the iPhones, all the iMacs, all the, all the progress that we've had, because progression is good, but it kind of also ends up hurting us in the long run because we forget what's most important. I have this one saying I want to share is that it's don't let the things that matter the least be at the mercy of the things that matter the most. Right. Right. And what is the most, what is the most important? Is it your family? Is it God? Is it, and and, in the pecking order for me, it's always God, my family, and then everybody else. Right. Right. I agree. But I would ask your listeners if, Mm -hmm. if that is how they're, Yes. Is being lived is God first, then themselves, then their family. Because in order for us to serve God and our family, we have to look in and on ourselves. Yeah, right? Self, yeah. Exactly. You know, God says the greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. He does tell us to love our neighbors as ourselves. So when you mentioned the thing about being kind, that is what we saw initially when this all started happening. We would see people posting on Facebook and, and a lot of the things that they were posting were kind and compassionate, you know, for the people who were losing their lives to COVID and the families that were affected by it and that kind of stuff. And then we went to this, yeah. you guys think about this. Then we went to this. I'm not going to wear a mask. Don't make me wear a mask. Right. Yep. How do we go from kindness and concern for our fellow human beings to let's fight over whether we wear a mask or we don't? Let's fight over whether we uh, get a vaccine or we don't. Let's fight over whether we go down and get tested or we don't. Let's fight is what I keep hearing. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it at your chaplain again. So there was a big trial once a long time ago. Uh, it, who should I release? And um, they said a guy named Barabbas or this, right? <laughs> and then the whispering in the crowd 
started whispering hate and everything. And that's what's going on. I think there's a lot of whispers. A lot of hateful people are taking advantage of a, of a dire situation. Most definitely. that, And that's interesting you bring that up because um, even when you talk about the movement of the Black Lives Matter, uh, the movement itself is just the recognition that people who have black skin want to be real, you know, recognize that they have just not been recognized, <laughs> you know? So, so the, the simplicity of the movement is that yet when you see people get on there and talk about, Oh, you know, they're writers and, and they're violent this and they're this, and they start naming other associations to come in with them and, and this kind of thing, totally diluting the peaceful message that many people of many races around this world, not just this country, this world, you saw faces in Finland, places where there's barely any black people. You saw faces in the UK. You saw, you know, and these faces for the most part were not black faces. They were peaceful protesters who believe that people who had black skin were not being recognized in many aspects of our world, okay? Mm -hmm. But what did the dissenters do? You know, what did the, like you said, the ones in the audience that are sitting there whispering, whispering, let's take advantage of this situation. Let's go out and, and, and riot. Let's go out and loot. Let's go up out and start blowing yeah. stuff up and throwing stuff at the police and doing all this kind of stuff. Because if you start watching those videos and they've been showing them, they yeah. showed what they showed at least two incidents where one was two white girls that were spray painting a Starbucks or something like that. And then, and then the person who set the, uh, what was that store? Uh, I'm drawing a blank, but it was a fast food store where the guy was shot. That was a drunk. He, you know, um, the person who set that fire was a white person also. Yet everybody's talking about how this horrible black lives matter movement is, and it's all about violence and this and this and this. And that to me breaks my heart because Remember what I said at the beginning of the program or towards the beginning of the program is that I like to be the voice for the voiceless. Yes. And I have a very unique position because of those of you that are listening to me, you may not realize I, I am black and I am blue, which is the color we signify for law enforcement. Yeah, law enforcement. Yes. So I am black and I am blue. And under attack in recent weeks have been both groups. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in the middle of that. And my goal has always been, like I said, to be a voice for those who are voiceless. And because of the noise and the chatter that came out of the Black Lives Movement that recently came up, only focusing uh, media and such only focused on the violent acts mm -hmm. and not what the people were actually saying. I have to say, you know what? I I do believe that all lives matter. Yep. Yet I believe that in every aspect of the day, who you are matters. Yep. And who you are is made up of who you are. For example, with me, I'm black and I'm blue, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you, and, and, but you go a little further, just like that. You say love is the key to this. In recognition, you know, one of the things I look at too, I grew up in a small town and I, I went and I lived in 
the island for a while. I served a, a church mission in Hawaii islands and I just loved it. It's such a diverse culture over there. And yeah, I love Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaii. Oh, it was beautiful people. And, and the biggest thing is I, I look at is as the movement goes, what, what I look at is there's, there's all different things. You got poverty, those, those individuals, everybody in diverse poverty, uh, need to have a, you know, they need a voice. Uh, children being abused need a voice. Um, uh, people dying from obesity need a voice. <laughs> there's a, there's, there's a lot of movement and stuff. And, and in our era, it, it's looking at what is, what is the need. And as we come together as a people and say, okay, is there, there's a need. And I think love is the key. I think that's what the great uh, Martha Luther King always says, you know, can't, can't fight hate with hate. You gotta, you gotta step back and have those conversations. Right. Right. And you know, help, yeah. I say, say love is the answer, uh, mm-hmm. which I totally believe we have to realize that. And that's why I say you matter. I changed yeah. it from all lives matter to you matter. Who oh, you matter. Yeah. Because if here's an example, if you and I are talking, right. Mm-hmm. You come to me and you say, Hey, Tamia, you know, my back is really bothering me. I've been in a lot of pain. I'm having a hard time standing up and you know, my head has been hurting and I'm just really not in a good state. Right. And then my response to you is, Hey, listen, uh, you know, my head has been killing me and my feet too. And I'll tell you what, blah, 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 blah. And I start talking about me. Uh-huh. Then you're more important, right? <laughs> Right. And what did I miss there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because you and what was going on with you matters to you. Yes. You don't want to hear about what's going on with me. Not right now. You wanted me to hear that you're in pain. Yes. And I use that as an example when I talk about the people who came forward during the Black Lives Matter time. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to be heard. Not to be told, as I did, well, let me tell you about my problems. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's what we miss. And I think that's why a lot of people get offended by the term when somebody says all lives matter. Mm -hmm. Because what you're saying to the person who has stepped up front, whether they're a police officer, hashtag blue lives matter, which I truly believe your life matters, Mm -hmm. you know, hashtag. Hispanic lives matter, hashtag your life matters. And that means we need to love you enough and respect you enough to listen to what you have to say and what your hurt is and what your Mm -hmm. pain is. And as servants like you and I, we have that servant heart, that servant leader that's within us, then try to figure out how to help that person with their pain and not turn around and say, well, you got pain. Well, I got pain too. That's not the answer. And, and I love it because it, it's just having those like conversations. Like it, I, it puts to sit here and chat about it. It's really, it, it, it I, I, I enjoy it because I'm like, Hey, I have questions to me. Can you help me understand this? Can you give me an insight how it is to be black and blue? Right. You, you've seen, you're on both sides and in me growing up in, in a time that I was, so like my side of it is, uh, I, I can't have sympathy because I, one, I, I'm, I grew up in an era that it wasn't 
there, you know, so I'm looking at you as just Tamia. I'm like, Hey, how are you? What's your name? Um, so when I, when I hear, um, so then that's where I get, you know, there, and there's not all people like me. There's still, let's be honest. There's still people that are just in, in old school and they, they're, they're, uh, they look at things different, but, but I don't know if you know the guy named Daryl. Daryl was, uh, he was in a, a reporter way back in the day. He would go around and interview uh, people that were part of uh, an organization. And he would just, he, he was a black guy. He'd come in, he'd interview him and he'd just keep coming back with love. Right. And, and he had a lot of them leave the organization uh, because he became friends with them. And, and who's he yeah. interviewing? Uh, the Ku Klux Klan. He he, oh, okay. he he had the top of the 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 top of the Ku Klux, and he's he's a great man, and um, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. He he says all I did is just showed him love, and then they slowly started hanging out and coming to each other's houses, and eventually the the main guy of it gave him his robe and left the clan. Wow! And, and he 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 over his years he he had sixty of them that he converted back in. And it was just what he tells you. And, and Daryl's an amazing man. And he says, we had to have the conversation. Cause yes. it, it goes back to what we started a long time ago. He, he said, what he found is it started in the home. It was passed down. These beliefs were passed down. And, and he says, once they saw that I was who I was and we, we had a Christ like love towards each other, it healed it. The love healed it. And I think that's what we're missing is we need to listen to each other regardless and have that conversation and say, okay, how are you feeling? What are you doing? Let's hear it. Like you said, give a voice. Like my wife is Mexican. She came to the country. She's Mexican American. She was, a, she's not a citizen until she got her citizenship. So she can be called a Mexican American, right? Um, Cause she, she, she acclimated. Yeah, like came from Mexico. Yes. Yeah. So she, she spoke nothing but no English when she came and uh, she had to learn. And uh, if you, all groups have their story, right? Like uh, they, 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 but they, they were put in detention centers. They were put into gathered up and all these, all these horrors of things happened with them in our time right now. Right. And what, and I love what you're saying. All lives matter. Everybody has a story. We need to, we need to, pull Christ to the front and say, what can we do to serve? Uh, tell me what you're saying. I want to hear it. Right. That, because yeah. you think about Christ, uh, yeah. if Christ were here having a conversation with you, Correct. just like I gave you the example of me mm -hmm. when you were telling me about your pain. So if the, if I am supposed to be the image of Christ to you and bear in mind, you don't have to have the chat, the, the title of chaplain mm, no. to be able to be there and care about somebody and, you know, and available for someone when they need to be heard. So as a Christian, as someone who calls myself a Christ follower, Great. then I am called quite often to be Christ's hands and feet in oh, the midst that. of this world for people. So when I, in that scenario that I showed of you, instead of me telling you of my pain and discounting your pain, that listening was important because that's what Christ would do. Yeah. So me, my pain as a, as a Caucasian man that is 42 years old, I, I, I'm sad. I, I, cause I, I want people to love each other. Does that make sense? 
of course it makes sense. And you have a true and a pure heart, you know, and, and with you being married to someone who is not of your race, that also shows that you have an open heart and your fruits mm -hmm. show who you are. Yep. Not that I'm saying if someone is married to someone within their own race, they couldn't have heart and compassion mm -hmm. for people of other races because, you know, when you have Christ, you have love and you have that compassion for other races. I'm just saying by your fruits, you know, the fact that you are raising a family that is representing multi-races, you know, but you're standing up to be that godly image for them because you are their covering, mm. you know, as the father, you know. Yeah, and I hope uh, as we move through the stuff, we can come back to what we we're saying is just, you know, all human race, everybody matters, uh, give each other hugs. I, I loved what I saw once on a, I think it was a video, a guy was going around, free hugs. <laughs> yes, yes. No, nobody will accept them right now, though, because of the COVID. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Like, it, was like, it was cool because he was doing what, what we're talking about. He was putting out the love is is the key now. You know, and there, there's a lot going on right now, and I think that's the biggest thing. But I want to, I want to kind of shift things because we, we were pretty heavy conversation. But I think at the end of it is just it all comes from the home. But I want to kind of have the listeners as we we come to the end of the show. It's it's fun to see your driven career as a black blue officer. You were you, you're you're a chaplain. You're out there helping serving. But towards the end of your career, you ended up in film. I mean, that, that was cool when I chatted to you about that. You, you retired and then you ended up start doing film. How did you, that's a huge transition. How did that happen? It, it really is actually, yet it isn't. Because I look at, at how God has orchestrated. Remember how I told you from when I was a kid on mm -hmm. God is just opening the door and, and lit my path. And I always make sure, um, and I invite your listeners to do the same. I always make sure that anything I'm getting ready to do, that I invite God along, that I invite Christ to walk with me. You know, even when I drove my patrol car and I was on my way to, to, to violent calls and things such as that, I would always, you know, send the angels ahead of me, uh, have Jesus ride as my co-pilot, you know, and just make sure that I was walking the path that God wanted for me. And it just takes a minute for us to plug back in, you know, to say, Lord, is, is this me or is this you? You know, what I want to do is this, you know, is and how I know that what I want to do is him. Number one, I pray about it and ask him, you know, what is the next step? It, I, I kind of would like to do this film thing. Is this something you think I should do? You know, that kind of thing. And, and, and he'll talk to you on different levels. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, some people will see written words some people will watch you know you'll look at tv and three and four different commercials will be talking about whatever it is that you were praying to the lord about you know some people will have people walk up to them and actually give them a word you know um god speaks to us all in different ways sometimes he speaks in dreams sometimes he speaks audibly you know like when i was uh getting ready to leave the police department and i didn't know if it was my time to retire and I had been praying about it um, fasting and praying for a few days mm -hmm. and then one morning I woke up and I heard his voice and it was it said what are you waiting for and I just looked around my room and I was like okay I hear you <laughs> all right I'm moving right so I went ahead and put my paperwork in and, and 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 retired but I just wanted to make sure that I had done what the Lord wanted me to do I didn't want to leave something that he had not closed the door for me on mm -hmm. you know 
So then he opened the door for me on uh, this film career. I, when I was on the police department, I had actually gone to, because uh, I was uh, alumni of UNLV, and I went back and I took a screenwriting class. And oh, I actually wrote this amazing screenplay about um, a female police officer who had a brother that was a gangbanger, and it was called Sister Good Brotherhood. And it talked about her dealing with being on the police department and her brother being, um, you know, on the other side. And of course, you know, there's a reconciliation story and a lesson, you know, all of the elements of screenplays, right? Mm-hmm. So I had written that, but put it away because I was extremely focused on my work because I am a purpose-driven person. And at the time, my purpose was on the police department. So I focused on my uh, detective work and what I was doing on the police department. But then when I retired, I prayed and I asked the Lord what it was that he wanted me to do. Well, he sent me on about a two-year kind of visiting my friends, police friends around the world, things such as that. And then he brought me to the hashtag me too movement remember the hashtag me too yeah so they had said that if there were more female directors in hollywood there would be less of the situations of harassment coming up that had happened you know had happened to many women in in acting so i saw that ad and then one of my girlfriends invited me to be a part of a local film project and i'll kind of speed it up Um, but so a part of a local film project and I was going to be a part of it as an actor because when I was in Ohio my sisters and I used to act so I was like oh getting back into acting would be fun right so I went and signed up as an actor yet as my detective skills got into place I started to to research I talked to all the actors about how they were how they were successful suggestions they had things like that and then I started talking to the guy in charge of the festival And he said to me, he goes, well, why don't you consider being a team leader? Which meant I would be in charge of the entire film. That made me the producer, the writer, director, (laughs) team leader, right? Everything. Everything, right? You know? So I I prayed about it because I didn't, it it wasn't an unusual question for me. You know? (laughs) I'm the type of person where if someone proposes something to me and it sounds interesting, I pray about it and then I figure out how I can do it. You know, if the Lord gives me the green light, then I'm like, okay, open the doors, show me what I need to talk to, who I need to talk to. And he did. So I did become a team leader because the last sign that I needed to encourage me to start my film career was that the deadline for me to sign up as a team leader was on my birthday of that year. So to me, that was the sign that I needed. And I signed up. And then as they say, the rest is history. I'm 11 films down the road. Nice. All Right. And award-winning films, not just, you know, I threw Uh some, you know, (laughs) I put some actors together and we made a, you know, a video. (laughs) That's awesome. So you went from an awesome career in in the police force. You now are moving into the career of film and and you're just driven. And and I remember us talking because I went to film school, me and you were chatting about this. Um, it's funny cause you know, I'm, I'm working towards coming back that direction and it's, I think both of us love it cause it's telling stories that can help hit people's hearts. Right. Yes. And change the way they think. And that's what I loved about the power of film is you can tell a story and get it across to where people can say, Oh, I never thought about it that way. Um, cause it's a neutral way. And I love this. And, so now as a filmmaker, as you're going into your film career, what's your goals there? What do you, what do you want to accomplish? Because uh, you, 
you served God in, in the police force. What's your goal here in the film area? Well, all of my films are faith-based. You're okay. not going to find any nudity in my film. You will not find cussing in my film. You will find true life in my film, though, <laughs> although it is a fictional it's stories true. that I tell. You will see true life. For example, my first film was called Why Should I Care? Uh-huh. And I talked about a female victim who she was the victim of domestic violence so everyone thought but it turned out in in the end the twist in the story was that she was actually the victim of sex trafficking oh and she wow. was being yeah she was she was able to have she was the only one in the house because she was trusted by her uh, trafficker to have a job so she was the only one in the house that had a job but she would show up to work beat up all the time so we get introduced to that character in that one and that film won uh, multiple awards uh, headed in film festivals in 2019 and then this year uh, we have a cyber stalking film out so i'm talking about educating families on the danger of their children on the internet which just my mind is just blown with the fact that now that everybody's shut down that kids are on the internet even oh, more oh. than they ever were uh, the cool thing, I won't say the cool thing about it, but the kind of uh, protective thing about it is that because of the fact that everybody's on the internet and not allowed to go out so much, then the children are usually in the care of their parents. And in my cyber stalking film, the bad guy, the predator, was seducing the children away from their families. Yeah. So there's not a lot of opportunities for that right now because of how closely families are staying you know if you want to say one thing that came out of the the virus situation and the shutdown is that families are getting closer you know you'll see families out at the park together you'll see families riding bikes together you see yep. families doing things together when i say families i'm talking mom dad and kids right you know even the teenagers who can't stand or be around anybody are still there with their parents <laughs> we, so, we become, yeah they're forced to be like us now right yeah <laughs> yeah, it's like it, it's like we've gone back what fifty or sixty years I to love you know, when we didn't have all of the distractions of life, you know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so that's something that right now I think is is a a positive of what has happened recently is that parents are having more of a say and an overlook over their children, and even to the point of homeschooling and things such as that, that, uh, you know, brings up a whole nother topic of homeschooling and educating. So my films are always designed to educate and empower, uh-huh. you know, so my uh, my protagonist is, is a, you know, the regular arc of most screenplays. You know, there's a challenge, you know, they, they're faced with it, they overcome it. We love the protagonist kind of stories, right? Yeah. So I, I do have those uh, stories. I've written and produced ones about uh, homelessness, veterans, mental illness, Domestic violence, sex trafficking, cyber stalking. Uh, you think about it, because I've done like 11 films. I even did some during quarantine. So oh, I did some, wow. some, yeah, which was very interesting as a, as a director. <laughs> yeah, to be tricky. <laughs> All my talent was in, in their own home, and we had to go around. You know, I had them take me with a camera through their home. It's where we could find the best place for the scene and get the right lighting for it. And oh, it was very interesting. It really was. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. 
Yeah, we did five films in quarantine. Uh, one was about dating during the time of quarantine. One was about uh, how hugs, when hugs are outlawed, it was called. And basically it talked about a woman who was the leader of a store. She was the manager of a grocery store. And cause we know those are our essential workers. So mm -hmm. most of my stories that I did were about essential workers during the, the um, well, actually even now they're still essential workers. Uh, so we talked about a woman who was a store owner. We also talked about two times the character was a nurse Oh. And one of the nurses had found out that she was had the symptoms for COVID. So that whole short is about her finding out that she might possibly have COVID and she's still trying to live her life. And, and so you, you know, you kind of learn a little bit about her through that video. Uh, and then I'm trying to think what the third one was about dating, hugging. Oh, and yeah. So, so we talked about nurses uh, and just current events. So I really like to, to, to put a twist on current events. And, and as I mentioned, I always have a faith message in, in my films. It's not always, you know, an altar call at the end of the film. I don't think any of mine actually have an altar call, <laughs> mm -hmm. but they do make you think about who you are. Um, it, it, they're always centered around love because there's always a theme through all of them of love and our protagonist always um, wins. I, I like those stories. <laughs> no, I, I just love it. I, I love that you're telling stories now where you went through a career and you're still adding value uh, to the human race. As we talked about, it's, it's a wonderful thing because telling stories and giving things I mean, you talked about, um, one of the filmmakers we both love uh, his movies is Tyler Perry. Yes. And, and uh, it just seems like you're, you're going to come in there and compete with him. <laughs> 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 I love it because it's the stories and just the, the raw human uh, need to, to help people think. Um, is so important. Well, I, I don't want to compete with him. In fact, I'm saying <laughs> hello, Tyler Perry. Look me up. Give me a call. Yeah, I'd love right. to see the studio. <laughs> I would do. We'll both go down and check it out. Cause, I'll definitely so, take you with me. <laughs> yeah, I love, I, love his, I love his way of telling stories. But, you know, I, I love this. And you're, you're doing great things. And when it comes to purpose-driven, you define the person. That's what I the reason I started this show is to find individuals out there that are just driven and that are helping people and that are purpose. Cause you know, it's like what, it's not a matter of what you do for a living. It's who you are. And yes. it's the value add. And that, and I, I've, I've coached and dealt with top CEOs, very wealthy people. And the thing is, it doesn't matter what's in your bank or who you are. We're all, we all, you've heard this saying, we all put our pants on it with one leg at a time. Right. Exactly. And we all, and we all poop. Tears. What's that? <laughs> I said, and we all poop. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we all, yeah. I always say the best friend you have is tell, they'll tell you you have a booger in your nose and your flies down Come there. Come on now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. It, it. Three things you can tell our listeners. What are three things, three advices that you can give them with everything going on or just life in general? Well, number, number one, I want to say lead with love. Lead, yeah lead with love it's very important i would also encourage you to wake up each day and dedicate your day to the lord mm. figure out who you can serve or be of service to in a day 
And then I would say, always stay in faith, be a light to those around you, and always speak encouragement to the people that you meet. I love it. To me, where can they find you if they want to look you up? Or where's the best place the listeners can find you? Interestingly enough, you probably can, can contact me best on Facebook. Okay. That, that's something that I'm on every day. And especially if you contact me in Messenger, most people who do get good connections with me connect with me in Messenger. Okay. Uh, just bear in mind, if, I, if we're not friends, so you need to friend me first, because if we're not friends, I usually don't get the messages. There's something strange about that. And that's Chaplain Dow, so C-H-A-P-L-A-I-N Dow, D-O-W, on Facebook. Or you can find me on Instagram at Tamia, T-A-M-I-A underscore Dow, D-O-W. And of course, on LinkedIn, LinkedIn under Tamia Dow. And that's also a pretty good place to inbox me too, because I check my LinkedIn every day too. Perfect. I'm excited. Thank you so much for being on the show. And we're going to have you back. We're going to be doing these important conversations as we uh, continue down the line. And, and it's been great, good, great conversation. Uh, I loved it. Thank you. It was my honor to be here and I'm really enjoying getting to know you and I look forward to us doing a film together. Oh, we're going to, I have an idea as we've been talking. <laughs> Excellent. And, <laughs> all right. And um, if you need to uh, just to go out on, on this, as, as you're listening to the show, you know, check out the podcast. We're going to be posting this uh, regularly. Uh, go back and check out some other shows. Go over to iTunes, like us, give us a, a review. Go on there and give us a five-star review. Give us what we think uh, we can do better. If you have any suggestions of interviews, let us know. And as you continue to be purpose-driven is all the things, and especially this time at what's going on, we can't let our hearts fail us. We can't lose purpose in, in what's going on. We got to keep pushing. And the purpose is all what you do. Until next, guys, and until next time, guys, continue to never give up and, and uh, continue to work on yourselves. And I'll see you later. Take care. Bye. Hey, guys, thank you for listening to the Purpose Driven Person podcast. Something I said today resonated with you. Head over to my website. I would love to give you a free gift to download, but you can also email me at purposedrivenperson at gmail.com. And don't forget to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And remember, guys, always continue to push your dreams and never give up. I'll see you next time. Take care.